online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound, the Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show with uh, myself, Colin. I don't think I really say who I am, so that's me. And uh, <laughs> I'm Bob as well. Oh, no, you've made me laugh already. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> good evening. And I like the fact that you always say welcome along to the latest. Uh, yes. I, I, I look forward to the, the edition where you say sort of like, you know, welcome along to a, an old edition of the Wickham Wanderers Show. That could happen, couldn't it? Yeah, that would be quite interesting. If we revisit well. former shows. Are you actually Doctor Who in disguise? <laughs> You can tell it's been an international break, can't you? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> We're currently not looking back at the, the last time we complained, because we did that last week. Yes. Did you have a good yeah, international I mean, break? Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was okay. Um, so I, I saw a couple of the England games. Um, saw, I think, one of the England under-21 games. Uh, I do wonder how A.D. Boothroyd is still in a job. <laughs> um, but I think that's probably me and most of the rest of the country. But yes, it was an alright international break. Not not as good as Andre Burley's, who, who obviously had a fantastic time uh, with uh, St. Kitts and Nevis. And Daryl Horgan as well had a good run out. Well, yes, he, he did. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it was very awful for the Republic of Ireland because they, they lost to Serbia and then somehow managed to lose to Luxembourg, uh, which, again, probably the England under-21s could manage to do. Um, and Daryl Horgan, of course, didn't play in those games, but he did play in the game against Qatar, uh, which the Irish managed a draw, uh, yes. one all. And he provided the assist for James McLean in the fourth minute to score the goal. He did. It's good for a Wickham player, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, clearly that was the problem, that Daryl wasn't playing in the games against Serbia and Luxembourg. No, exactly. That's where they went wrong. Uh, so uh, we, we got the international break behind us and uh, heading towards an Easter doubleheader. That's quite exciting, isn't it? It is, yes. So Blackburn Rovers will be the visitors to Adams Park tomorrow with a 3pm kickoff, uh, And then uh, we can go all the way up the M1 to Rotherham uh, and the New York Stadium uh, on Easter Monday. Again, a 3pm kickoff. So we'll hear from uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth looking ahead to those games very shortly. Do you think as players, they go, yes, we're playing on Friday, and then another game on Monday as well? Or do you think they think, well, that's not very long in between games, is it? Um, I think it probably depends how they're feeling, and also I would think it probably depends how actually the, the, the team is playing. Um, you know, Gareth would say how fantastic the morale is, and you're going to hear him talking about that uh, in, in a little bit. Um, but I would think uh, if you're on a fantastic winning streak, you know, you probably do think, oh, great, you know, you almost want to probably play a game every day. Um, so uh, a little bit of both, I would imagine. Also on this week's show, uh, my thanks as always to uh, JDT and Alan Hutchinson at the Ex-Players Association, a special thanks this week, uh, for um, hooking us <laughs> up with, um, with former players and managers. This week we speak to someone who is both a former player and manager uh, in Peter Sudderby. Yeah, we're very grateful to him um, because we did sort of get stood up at the last minute, didn't we? Well, stood up sounds a bit strong. Kind, well, you know, kind of. <laughs> yes, sort of. Um, it's a dating analogy, which we don't do very often on this show. No, we should try and use that more. More dating analogies on the Wicked Wonder Show. We'll try and we'll try we'll try and work them in. That's a challenge, isn't it? We'll do that for future. future okay, right, yeah, I'll, dating I'll, I'll analogies. See, see if we can do that. So we've had stood up. What could other ones be? Don't worry. Uh, also, still to come, uh, find out as well uh, what's required if you've ever wanted to be a a, a steward at the club yes indeed we yes. hear from head uh, steward uh richard Piercy will be joining us uh yeah you need the sort of uh same um attributes that you would take to a first date there you go there's another, <laughs> there's one. another one fantastic what a bright orange coat you'd take that <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah because particularly if it's a if it's a blind date that you're going on because clearly you want the person to know who, who you are and where you are um obviously this doesn't really happen at the moment during during covid times but you know bright orange coat that would be perfect you know with with wwfc on the back <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that should get you a second date, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. You know, <laughs> just from in, for interest purposes alone. <laughs> possibly you'd never see the person ever again, <laughs> as they were running away. <laughs> my my memories of steward stewards, I should say. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I said Stuart. My memories of Stuart, no, <laughs> stewards. Who was Stuart? Yeah, is that I might have mentioned this before, but I was fortunate enough for a couple of seasons to do the ground announcing at Adams oh, Park. Yes, and yeah, I always I'm remember. Quite jealous that you did this. Yeah, it was I, a top I'd thing like to, to do. do. One day. I especially liked the Bing Bong thing that when you opened up till it till it broke and then there was no Bing Bongs after that. But and um, didn't they only do the Bing Bongs though when there was like, like quite an important announcement, or did they used to do the Bing Bongs all the time? No, the Bing Bongs used to be all the time until the Bing Bongs oh, did broke. They? The Bing Bongs oh, broke. Okay. And then so what? So even when you were doing the team news, it would oh, go yeah. bing bong every and then time. You'd say, oh wow! Okay. So yeah, you just keep the button pressed up so you don't get it every time for the team news. Ah, right. Bit of behind okay. the scenes technical yeah. news there. No, I you know I, I was assuming that if there's a bing bong, you've got to listen to what it's saying. <laughs> well, ideally, that's the whole point of doing it. If, if you're doing ground announcing and no one's listening, there's there's little point to be honest. No, that's true. But um, I always remember you have to get to the ground really early and uh, you test the, the sound system by putting on some music. This is in the days of CDs, um, ask your mum and dad. And uh, they had a very limited CD collection. But there was always, you couldn't start it because it was obviously always came on louder uh, than you'd expect because when the ground was full or had people in it, of course, then it would need to be louder. So <laughs> you couldn't do it till the stewards had their briefing. This is what I'm getting to. So oh, right. from the, the PA box, you could see over to the sort of the far left of the ground, which is sort of essentially the, the away end, in the top left-hand corner of that stand would be okay. where the stewards would be having that. So there'd be a mass gathering of... Uh, lots of people in, in very bright orange jackets. Exactly. And you'd have to wait till that finishes to start playing the music. So <laughs> they'd, they'd disperse. It was quite a sight just to see all these orange people just sort of dispersing when they were all in as one. It was a bit like a... I don't know what you could correct an analogy of V. I haven't thought it through well enough, but that was my that's my steward mental image. Uh, and and were there a few scattered sort of like green people who were like in, in the the chief stewards? I don't remember the green people actually, but there must have been. I think there might have been some yellow people as well. I might know. Oh, okay, a different rank, uh, uh, and a few sort of darker greens for the St John's ambulance. Yes. Oh, there were definitely those. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit like in hospitals where they wear different colour scrubs, isn't it, for different ranks? Yeah. No, again, these are all people that we should speak to, actually, you know, because we do try, on the Wicked Wanderer show, we do try and give you the whole Wicked Wanderer's experience. It's not just about Gareth Ainsworth and the players, uh, even though Gareth does make a lot of appearances on the <laughs> programme, but that's very, fairly obvious. Uh, but yeah, you know, we should speak to a St John's ambulance person uh, who works at Adams Park. And perhaps the current ground announcer, just to see if the role's changed. Yes, that's true. Yeah, you could, you could swap stories. Yeah. Explain what a CD is, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and maybe, you know, even the person who's bodger. <laughs> yes, quite muffled through that, that big head, but we could... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, and sorry, I've, I've just, you know, that, that's the cardinal sin, actually, of mascots. I, I, you shouldn't imply that actually no. the mascot isn't real. No, it might be a male or female as well. I think we said he, didn't we? Oh, OK, yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, could, could be either. Yes. So, uh, earlier on today, you caught up with the manager. I did, indeed, yes. Um, so Gareth had a, a press conference uh, early this morning, um, which uh, myself and uh, I think it was only two two of us, uh, no, three of us uh, attended the press conference this morning. Um, but he was giving his thoughts uh, both uh, about the Blackburn game and uh, the Rotherham game. Um, really good to spend quite a lot of time actually with Gareth because clearly the way that the games have been um, going uh, before the international break where we've basically been playing midweek and then the weekend, they haven't really done uh, a proper press session with him for a good while so i was able to catch up with him for about 10 minutes so what's the mood in the camp like because obviously you're not in a great position but um you're in the championship is that still the message still the kind of confident feeling 
Third place. We're in the best position this club's ever been in, so we're uh, we're really happy. We're still we're still buzzing to be in the championship to compete in this, and uh, you know we're we're doing our best to stay in it. That's that's still the message. You know we uh, we've got chances, we've got points available. We want to want to get as many as we can and see where that puts us at the end of the season. But yeah, we're the the morale and and it's just brilliant here. It really is. You know the boys know where they are. They know that a lot of them, you know, have. have uh, we're punching way above our weight as a club and uh, and we think that we, we've got a chance to win some points and looking forward to the games now, yeah. What, what's, what's the team news? Is there is there anyone out, anyone getting back for it? Uh, no, we, we've got, um, got a pretty good squad, you know. I think um, I think the treatment room's quite bare at the moment, which is always good, you know, one or two little knocks. But now we're hoping that, um, you know, the likes of David Wheeler will be close Jordan Abita probably will miss out, but he's he's the only long-termer we've got at the moment, which is great. So we're, we're looking forward to uh, to picking from full squad. You've obviously got Blackburn tomorrow, um, a club very close to your heart. Yeah. Played there on the, on the opening away game of the season and it wasn't the result you wanted. How much did that hurt you going back to your old stomping ground and, and getting beaten so badly there? No, it hurts the wrong word to use. It was an eye-opener, you know, of how the quality of the championship would be totally different to League One, you know, and uh, and it was a great, great occasion for me, you know, I'll never, never let that that be marred because I thought um, going back back home was, was awesome, you know, taking a team that were, you know, the wrong end of League Two when we, we started our journey, taking them to the place where I grew up watching football and the championship was just a real proud moment. And still, you know, I would never look back at that game with any other thing than pride. And, uh, you know, it's not the first time we've, we've been up against it in, in the championship. It's a tough league, you know, and, and that, that taught us a lot. That taught us uh, that we were going to have to um, strengthen the squad and also change probably the way we approach games. Um and it's totally different. It just showed us the strength of the championship. It's a fantastic league, and why it's so highly regarded around the around the world, you know. But it's uh, it's yeah, a special moment going back to Blackburn for me. It was always always going to be that, and uh, it's my club. It's this club I support, and uh, a club where what got me into football. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Blackburn Rovers. You know, that was the club I followed as a kid, and uh, and still do now. How surprised are you that? I think we all thought that Blackburn would be up there going for promotion after that, that day then, but they're not. How surprised are you at that? Yeah, they've had some injuries uh, to deal with, you know, and especially in key positions. I think uh, they struggled with centre-back pairing earlier on in the season. You know, I think that Tony's a fantastic manager, a real real good person. We've had some real good chats and uh, and he's somebody I admire in the game. I think he's a... He's done everything really to manage and the levels he's managed. I think he's he's awesome. So um, it's probably just a little bit of bad luck with the injuries. And do you know what? Blackburn is probably still looked at as one of the top clubs in the championship. And, and it really isn't, you know, it's not, not anymore. You know, back in the early 90s, we were ahead of the curve financially with Jack Walker's money. And, and, um, and I guess it probably shows now that how much money actually does talk, you know, it's uh, it's crazy to, to think that Blackburn's one of the smaller clubs in the championship. You know, there's only 100,000 people living in Blackburn. It's, it's a small town, got a great football in history, but I think even they are shocked at the amount of 
money being pumped in elsewhere and making these clubs huge clubs. There's some clubs' budgets this season are just enormous and they're doing re- doing really well and they want to get back to it. But Blackburn just can't compete with that sort of finance and Wickham just can't compete with anything close to Blackburn. And so that's how far the levels are in this division. On So I think injuries and people probably have to realise that Blackburn Rovers being in the Premier League is an unbelievable achievement. It would take something special for them to get back there because it's a really, really tough league, this and that, and we're finding that out. So I think a little bit of luck as well has gone against Tony with some injuries. And I'm sure that um, Blackburn will be, be flying and fighting hard right to the end of the season. Could they nick a playoff place? Anyone could at the moment, but uh, it'll be tough, you know, with, uh, with everything that's going on. Finally from me, um, how much would it mean two beats Blackburn and for you if you did pull it off any team any win in the championship we've had six they're all really really special moments for me you know Blackburn you know it wouldn't be extra special because it's my hometown it might make one or two headlines in the local paper up there but um, all I care about is Wickham Wanderers getting points on the board whether it's Blackburn or Burnley, their arch rivals. It wouldn't matter. I just want, I just want points on the board for uh, for Wickham Wanderers, and uh, and so it, there's no added spice for this. Just because I'm a Blackburn lad, it'd be nice to see the the Rovers come down, and it was fantastic to be at Ewood Park. But um, it wouldn't be nice to get beat again at the same scoreline. Put it that way, I wouldn't like that to happen. But you never know in this league. It's a tough league. We'll be giving everything we've got. But I will take points against anyone. Never mind Blackburn. I need them all. And uh, and yeah, there'll be no added spice for me. It's just another game we're focusing on the right way. And hopefully we can get the points. Good luck, Gareth. Thanks for talking. Morning, Gareth. I'll be okay. Um, so we got Rotherham on Easter Monday. Clearly they were the, the first visitors this season. We were so unlucky to lose that game 1-0. Yeah, it was a very tight game. It was not billed as a classic. You know, two teams that had come up from League 1. Both renowned for getting the ball forward quite quickly, if I'm honest. And uh, both sort of cancelled each other out right to that last corner and that last minute. And we still, I still feel the pain of that. You know, it was, uh, it was a tough one to take. But um, I think we had a couple of chances early on again where we could have gone ahead. But, you know, again, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a fantastic achievement for us both to be in this league. And, uh, and we're both fighting hard to stay in this league rather than obviously a little bit higher than us but um, you know it's uh, been an outstanding achievement for for any of the three teams that came up to, to stay in the championship for a successive season and they're also obviously a team that, that have, have gone down and then managed to bounce back up if we, we, we don't pull off the great escape is that presumably something that you're definitely looking for Wickham to, to emulate yeah of course long term planning is is uh, has got championship written in the uh, written in the later chapters without a doubt and and believe me to even talk about that now with all the meetings and, and all the chats we had and all the fans forums back in the early days to even be talking about bouncing back to the championship is real pinch me time for all Wickham supporters you know and, and I'm hoping it's not expected I'm hoping that I teach my players that there is no entitlement in, in life you don't wake up every day entitled to things you earn things you you earn your respect you you've got to feel lucky and humble every single day i'm hoping everyone is feeling the same as me if we survive wow fantastic what an achievement and if we don't manage to pull off the great escape like you say then there's no entitlement that we should be in the championship we've got to work hard and earn it again but just to be talking i keep saying it in the same sentence wickham wanderers and championship I think that um, everyone who's 
supported us, played for us, managed any part of the uh, of the business or anything, served the cup of tea. You've all played your part in this club on a phenomenal journey. So thank you to everyone, and uh, couldn't have done it without you all. But you know, we aim to stay in the championship or get back in the championship. Crazy talk if you'd have thought five years ago, but realistic talk now, which is testament to all the boys and, and all my staff and and everyone who's worked at Wickham. Completely, and I, I think the the fans who are realistic remember that day at Torquay where you know you must have been going down there. The fact that uh, other clubs had to do you a favour, and look how far we've come. The fact that we're now talking about playing Blackburn Rovers in the Championship is is still amazing. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Premier League champions, Blackburn Rovers. I've got to get that man. <laughs> and uh, one of only seven clubs to do so as well. You, you didn't mention that earlier on. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. With regards um, to the international break, what what did you get up to? Did you did you manage to have a few days off? Only only a couple, you know, only last weekend, uh, Saturday Sunday, because we obviously, you know, it hasn't gone perfectly this season. You know, we knew we'd be at the uh, wrong end of the table. We knew that from day one because it's a battle. And look at the three teams that came up: Coventry, Rotherham, and Wickham. They're all they're all in that bottom five, you know, they're all fighting away. So we knew that would be there, but, you know, I, I, I really wanted six or seven more points on the board than I have now. I could blame referees' decisions all days, but sometimes you've got to think, where could we have earned those points ourselves? And, uh, and so we've been working hard on some aspects of the game last week. You know, the lads only got Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, and my staff were in all week. You know, we only got Saturday, Sunday because I wanted to work on what we think we can improve on and we've done that and hopefully tomorrow we can put things in place that people will see uh maybe a next step of wicking you know back in the and the season's gone by we've had weeks off at, you know i've given the boys weeks off because they've done so well and it's not a punishment i think it's definitely something we need to work on and improve on if we want to stay in this championship or come back to this championship so we've been working on the training pitch not too hard but more on the mental side and the video side uh, of, of our game and Hopefully we can uh, we can end that with a with a good start coming out of the international break tomorrow against Blackman. And how's Daryl Horgan doing? Obviously he's he's been the one player away on international duty. Uh, yeah, we had um, uh, Andre Burley. Oh, yes, you well, did. Yeah, yeah. Apologies our, to Andre. Yep, kits, you know, and, and it, two wins for him, absolutely fantastic. Obviously Daryl had a couple of defeats and a, and a draw, but again he played a big part in the goal for the draw against Qatar and. Uh, and both of them came in yesterday to test. Um, they've both been away, so the protocol was to test the, the COVID stuff, obviously. And and, uh, and they'll both they'll both be available for selection tomorrow. I'm really proud of Andre. I think he's come on leaps and bounds and a product of our B team as much as someone like Anis Mamete, you know, um, internationals. Now it's just brilliant to have. And and Daryl representing his country again is a real feather in the cap of Wickham because. Uh, you know, back in the day, it was a special occasion. Now we seem to have, we're expecting Daryl to be called up, called up and we'll expect probably Anis one day and, 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 and Andre and, and people like that. So really, really proud of them all. But um, they've all come back unscathed, which is good. They've all come back negative, which is good. So uh, they, uh, they can be involved in, uh, in, the, uh, in the selection process tomorrow. Fantastic. Cheers, Gareth. All the best for the next couple of games. I was just going to ask about Andre Burley. Obviously, he hasn't played yet. What does that say? say about his ability and um, obviously they're not playing for Wickham yet but obviously playing internationally he's played the B team games he's done really well Andre we're trying to turn him into something other than just a centre back I think uh, he may struggle size wise more than anything but 
he's got this capability of reading danger and a defensive midfield player we, we can see in him as well. So um, he's flitted between the two positions. He's a cracking lad, always got a smile on his face. And like I say, played played a part in two big wins there and they're top of the group for the World Cup qualifying. I mean, it's brilliant to have an experience like that under your belt before you've played any first-team games. Uh, but I'm sure Andre's going to be one for the future and uh, and we'll be working hard to make sure that he stays grounded, works his socks off and uh, just a shame some of these B-team lads have not had the loans that we could have had this season because, um, because of the COVID. But... Um, you know, it's things we have to deal with and, and adapt, and we have done. Looking forward to him coming back, and like I say, won't be too surprised to see him involved very soon in the uh, in the squad. Obviously, also after the international break, you were heavily linked, you know, with the Preston job. Do, do you take much notice of that, or do you just not take much notice? No, he's flattering. Obviously, and you know, it's a huge club, uh, one of the original six. You know, members of the football league with a, with a, a glorious history and. Uh, I'm glad to say I was part of that history, you know, with uh, with my my league debuts and 150 plus appearances for that club. So, really, really proud, and obviously an honour to be linked with the managerial job, you know, because uh, I say such a such a huge club. But um, no, I'm sat here as Wickham manager and, and taking control of Wickham tomorrow. So, uh, you know, it's uh, again we can say that Wickham now is a, is a big club, a lot bigger than it was, uh, and I'm really proud to have played a part in the history here as well. And with the game tomorrow, I think some people at Ewood Park were surprised with how you set up and how open you were. Is that tomorrow with you know Armstrong's pace and stuff? Is that something you're gonna? Is that something you're gonna look to change or? Oh, believe me, we didn't set up to be open at Ewood Park. Uh, I think we were <laughs> we were tore tore open a little bit by uh, one of the best strikers in the league in Armstrong. You know, we had a back four. It's not like we set up to be full of gaps. Uh, I think it was our first away game against the championship side, our first real championship side, because Rotherham were, were League One with us the, the, the year before. So whichever people were surprised with that result and uh, I'm uh, hoping they got brought down to earth quite quickly because uh, it was a learning curve and, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. But, um, no, we're, we're, we've learned plenty since. But, again, we you know, we took 7-2 seven, seven, beating at Brentford and, and, you know, we've had three nils and it's, it's tough Watford you know, looked a very strong side against us in Norwich and, you know, these teams are going to are gonna be better than us. We've got to find ways of beating and we've got to find ways uh, of competing and we can do this without a shadow of a doubt. But um, it's uh, it's sometimes the gulf is huge, you know, all the rep- agents' fees and representative fees got released yesterday and I think if, if everyone looks at those, they can see just where we are financially in, in the pecking order of not just league, the Championship League but League One as well it still is very very tough out there but um, we're fighting we're in the best position this club's ever been in although we're bottom of a league and uh, like I say very proud of that How special will it be to you know the first Blackburn at Adams Park first, yeah. first time that's happened how special is that going to be? Yeah, it's really special and to be in charge you know as a Blackburn lad I love that town it's my home and I love the people of Blackburn. I think it's a fantastic place to be. And it taught me a lot of resilience, a lot of strength coming from Blackburn. And as you can hear in the accent, that's not going anywhere soon. Uh, it's, a, it's a real honour to host my hometown club, the club I've supported all my life and will continue to support forever. So I'm at Adams Park. It's, uh, it's an honour. And let's uh, say it's, uh, it's a game of football I want to win first and foremost. Uh, maybe I can look back one day and think, you know what? 
it wasn't such a bad thing getting Blackburn Rovers down to Adams Park. Gareth Ainsworth there speaking at a press conference earlier on today. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderer show, we will be hearing from former player and manager Peter Sudsby. This is Wickham Sound. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderer show this week, Bob catches up with the head steward at Adams Park and discusses what makes a good steward. Uh, They're on the lookout for more stewards that is uh, for the new season but next as mentioned a very big thank you to JDT and Alan Hutchison at the Ex-Players Association uh, for uh, sorting us out with some top guests over the uh, the last few months and still to come as well some really good guests on the way uh, we'll be chatting to Keith Ryan next week as we celebrate 20 years since that goal at Villa Park uh, Gary Waddock on the way as well the latest person to be a former manager but someone else who's a former manager and a former player at Wickham Wanderers is Peter Sudderby and uh, I caught up with him a little earlier on to uh, find out his uh, earliest memories of being involved at the club. My first memory was my first training session and um, we were in a gymnasium and um, we were playing British Bulldog. I thought I was like a know-all student, you know. I'd come down from my home in North Wales to study at Oxford University. So I thought I knew everything. Anyway... On the first run-through of British Bulldog, I decided that I would aim for this little guy with no hair because he looked vulnerable, and I thought I'd be able to get past him. Anyway, as I went past him, I felt this palm of his hand hit me flush on the nose with the best handoff you've ever seen. I'd only picked on Keith Blunt and his rugby league experience. (laughs) Not the best timing for you. No, so that knocked me flat on my back, which was um, subject of great hilarity amongst the rest of the squad. So that was my first session with all the players. But I was, um, I don't know whether these are the right words, but I was, um, I was looked after by John Delaney when I arrived. Um, I'm not sure the words looked after are correct, but um, <laughs> John certainly kind of showed me all the ropes and all the tricks of the trade that you needed to know to survive at Wickham. So at that time, did it feel like a special time to be at the club? Because we speak to many uh, former players and it feels like their era or generation, it just seems to coincide with a time that's really special. Oh, it was, um, it was a lifesaver for me because I was brought up in a little village in North Wales and then all of a sudden I'm coming down to go to Oxford University to study which was like a world away from my normal world. I I needed not just a football club, but I needed somewhere to kind of look after me as well. And um, they certainly filled that bill for me. And I made some lifelong friends there. It's been fantastic. And also you went on to be an an amateur international as well, which must be a great source of pride for you. Yes, no, it was, um, well, Brian Lee, actually. And when I first came down to Oxford, I was playing for Skelmersdale United up in near Liverpool, and um, I'd been invited over to Slough to talk to them, but I remember Brian Lee took me to one side and he said, remember, it's not quantity, it's your quality of life. And basically he said, if I joined Wickham, I would be an England amateur international, and um, true to his word, Within um, a couple of months of signing for Wickham, I'd won my first amateur international cap. I think we played it at Wickham, actually. 
It was against Republic of Ireland, I think. And you also enjoyed time at uh, Blackpool and also Brighton as well, so some good, yes, g- good no, holiday I, destinations I, yes, there. I was very lucky. I played with some uh, good players and good people, which is the secret. The secret to get a good team is not just to get the best players, but is to get the best people. And I think you can see that in some of the Premier League teams now. I often wonder why some of the clubs, I don't want to name them, but aren't doing better than they really should. And I come to the conclusion that it's about getting the best people. I mean, I was very lucky at at Skelmersdale and at Wickham. I played with a really, really good bunch of people who would do anything to help you. And luckily, that carried on when I went to Blackpool and eventually when I ended up at Brighton. So did you deliberately uh, target holiday destinations as as a... (laughs) Yeah, well, I deliberately targeted places with a beach because I enjoyed my pre-season so much running on the sand. Not. (laughs) No, you must have missed that at Wickham. Uh, Yeah, no, yeah. No, I didn't didn't miss any of the hard running. And people may not know of your maths teaching background, which is something that you don't often associate with with footballers either, I guess. No, I, I don't think... I always used to think... When I went for a job interview, I was always worth interviewing just for the novelty factor of seeing a professional footballer who's also got a maths degree. I mean, that must be pretty rare. You know, if you were doing the I Spy books, that would be worth 100 points, I think. No, definitely. I was just thinking back to my maths teachers as well and couldn't imagine any of them playing football. Yes, no, I loved my maths. I enjoyed every minute of my math teaching. It was fantastic. And tell us about how you came back to be managing the club as well, because it was, it was a, a tricky spell for you, because I know that, that the club had to sell a lot of their best players whilst you were in charge. Yes, and also, I was unlucky in that it was a very uh, transitional period. The club had just come out of, the well, it wasn't called the National League, but whatever it was called then, and gone into the Football League. And... Um, Unfortunately, there were still some remnants of Isthmian League thinking going on whilst we were in the Football League. I mean, I don't think the club at that time had come to terms with the fact that they were going to have to spend a bit more money if they were going to gather together a, you know, a decent team to play in the Football League. It was a tough period, I have to say. I mean, it wasn't one of my favourite periods at Wickham. Um, I found it really tough going because I'd coached a lot at Tottenham Hotspur's academy, but um, there's a huge difference from being a coach to being the one who makes all the decisions. And um, I wasn't ready for it at the time, I have to admit. You sort of glossed over your time at Spurs, but you must have been so uh, rewarding to work with so many of the young players that came through at Tottenham. Yes, no, Tottenham was a good experience up until the end part, but um, yes, we had some good players there. I understand you're still very good friends with David Pleat today. Yes, I'm very good friends with David, and I'm very good friends with um, all the coaches that worked in the academy. When um, Tottenham play at home, they have used lots of their ex-players as ambassadors, and the last time I went to see a Tottenham home game, it was actually when they were playing at Wembley Stadium, and... um, 
the ambassadors were all in front of where I was sitting, and I got a lovely uh, reaction from them because, um, like I say, one of the big decisions when I was at the academy at Tottenham was to kind of try and give the academy a bigger profile, and we decided that we would employ lots of the ex-players as coaches in the academy so the young players could kind of actually have contact with people who they'd, you know, watched play. And it worked a treat. I mean, you know, the young players being coached by Ledley King and Sol Campbell and people like that and Peter Crouch, you know, they just couldn't believe their eyes. And it must have been extra special for you when Wickham played Spurs earlier this season in the FA Cup as well. Yes, it was. Unfortunately, I couldn't get to the game, but... Um, it was uh, torn loyalties, I'm not so sure. I think my loyalties lay mainly with Wickham on that night, but um, I'm still very interested in Tottenham's progress, but um, the club is so different now to when I was there with their new training ground and new stadium. It's a world apart now. But it must have felt so good for you to be involved in that sort of laying the foundations, if you like, for, for the youngsters coming through. Yes, no, it's it's very uh, rewarding when you see a young player join at a very young age and kind of get into the first team. But I had um, I had some excellent coaches at the academy. Pat Holland, the ex-West Ham player, and Jimmy Neighbour, they were excellent to work with. And I think that's the secret, is you've got to get good people to work with and you've got to have a happy atmosphere Everybody was treated with respect. And it must be so pleasing or interesting, I guess, to see as well how the games changed from, from when you played it to, to, to coaching the youngsters in, in more recent times, but I guess many of the principles are still the same as well. Yes, the principles are the same, but um, they, they are so cosseted now. You know, it's, um, it's amazing now what, what they do to attract the best youngsters. I mean, there is a big danger in you give them too much too early. And then you've got nothing left to tempt them with. And things like tackling as well. You don't see as much tackling as, as, as in years, years no, ago. No, I'd, I'd be in trouble, I'm afraid. <laughs> Are there any particular games which particularly stand out from your playing time, uh, either, either of your spells at Wickham? Yes, I, I remember in my first period at Wickham, we played Hillingdon Borough in an FA Cup replay. And I don't know the exact numbers, but the crowd at Wickham was unbelievable. I have a photograph at home here taken from one side looking across the ground, the old ground, of course, and um, you, you can't see an empty space. Somebody said there was something like somewhere between twelve to 13,000 people. I mean, the crowds were unbelievable. I think I know the very picture you're talking about. I think, I think the actual attendance that day was about 15 and a half. Right, yes, I remember when I was told how many people were at the game, I just couldn't believe it. And even for sort of an amateur cup game as well, it, it's, it's great to know that the that, that games, that especially that you were involved in, had, had such big attendances. Yes, no, it was fantastic. I mean, what a support. It was, um, you know, some of the other football league clubs now would die for that kind of support. And as well to have so many sort of homegrown or, or, or locally based players in those days as well, which is something yes. which you don't necessarily get these days. Yes, I used to um, travel in from Oxford and um, we used to take it in turns to use our cars. I used to be in a little carpool with uh, John Musk and um, 
Vince, and we all used to meet at uh, the, the pub on the roundabout just outside of Oxford. The, uh, the car run was well established before I got there. I mean, I'm sure you must have some excellent stories from those days and great memories as well. Yes, uh, it was, um, it, like I said, it was a good time for me for two reasons. A, it was um, a good football to play in, and, but B, I made such good friends and I was made to feel so welcome when actually I felt as though I was a long way from home in North Wales. And latterly, it must have been brilliant to be involved in the Ex-Players Association. I know uh, last year, for example, yourself and Keith Samuels went to, to present some equipment at the, at the hospital and yes, who looked after the, yourself uh, as well. The Ex-Players Association was fantastic, yes. I enjoyed my involvement with that immensely. And as I say, it must be really nice to share uh, memories with other former players and, and experiences as well. Particularly my days before I turned professional. I treasure those years very much because they gave me some great memories and formed the basis of me being able to turn professional. It's fantastic for you to have those, those memories, and I understand obviously the last 12 months has been tricky for you, especially with the, the, the lockdown, but hopefully in the, in the near future you'll be able to, to get out and perhaps hopefully um, see Wickham again. Yes, yes, I'm hoping to. And what are your thoughts about seeing them in the Championship? Do you think it's, obviously they found it a bit of a struggle, but fantastic yeah, that they've got to that level? I think, unfortunately, it's just been a step too far. Uh, because, in my experience, when I was a player, when you went up a division, the problem was that, you know, you have to play at a higher level every week. It's not just you have to kind of raise your game now and then. You have to raise your game every week and... If you're not quite at that level, then you just can't do it. And that's what I think when I look at some of the games on television, it just has been a step too far for some of the players. That must be something you can relate to as well from your time, both in in management and also playing as well, even from sort of non-league up to the league as well. Yes, it's. um, I always thought that as you went the higher up the divisions, the more you got punished for your mistakes. So... If you're in the Premier League and you make four mistakes, you get punished four times. If you're in the Championship and you make four mistakes, you might only get punished twice. But the higher up you go, the more ruthless the other players are. And I think that um, Wickham have unfortunately found that out, that um, you can't afford, the higher up you go... You can't afford to miss a trick. You make a mistake, it'll cost you a goal. You miss a shot, it'll cost you the match. Because in lots of the games I've seen on TV, Wickham haven't been outclassed. They've just made too many mistakes. No, it's a good point, because you see the team sheet and you think, oh, this is a really attacking line-up, and especially with your other work, you must be so pleased with, with the youngsters that are coming through and being brought on as well. I'm always interested in um, the young players that Gareth manages to get on loan. I mean, he's got he's obviously got a good eye because the the lad that was here that went back to QPR, I mean, he's never stopped, has he? No, definitely. And it's a skill to spot people at a young age. Everybody kind of thinks, oh, it's easy to spot the next star, but it's not as easy as it seems. And there seems to be something really special about Wickham as well, a real kind of family club. And, and re- oh, the, I mean, but that's, what, um, that's why I was so lucky to end up at Wickham, because 
like I say, my personal circumstances, I needed more than a football club. I needed a club. And um, I think Wickham is, uh, is one of the few clubs that fills that bill. It's not just a place to go and play football. It was a place to go. And it always makes me smile when I go to the games when you see so many people still working at Wickham behind the bars and things like that. They're still there from when I was there because it's got a special hold on people. It, um, it, like I say, it, it actually is more than a football club. And it's really nice in a way that, that the club and also your time there and, and the game generally has given you so many happy memories as well. Yes, I've got lots of um, happy playing memories from all the clubs I was at. Really great chatting to you, Peter. And another example of... You, you don't imagine, do you, that... I'm sure it is the case, but at other clubs, they don't have this, this kind of real special family feel and, and real sort of sense of community. Yeah, we are very, very lucky. And it, it comes across time and again, doesn't it? Every time that we, we speak to, to ex-players, um, they always do refer to how Wickham is like a family. Um, and I really liked hearing what he was saying, particularly about sort of, you know, that you, you recognise the people behind the bar and that sort of thing, because it, it's very true. Definitely. I also found out, which didn't get mentioned in the actual on-air interview, uh, that his Ooh. daughter is currently featuring in an ice cream commercial, which is, is not something that every <laughs> ex-player will manage. Perhaps I should, I should ask more regularly, but I've Goodness not really thought me, to cover okay. it. But Blimey, this is the, the extra bits of the Wicked Wanderer show <laughs> that you, you, you don't normally get. Great to speak to you. By the way, do you have any children in commercials? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Which ice cream advert? Do you get ice, free ice cream? Is that how you're paid for doing an ice cream commercial? You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? That would be very good, wouldn't it? Final part of the Wicked Wanderer show on the way. <laughs> Forgot about that bit. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what what they used to do before you did the team news? Then that sounds like more like the airport. <laughs> Departure shortly. This is Wickham Sound. You're listening to the Wickham Wanderer Show. Colin and Bob are with you through until 8 o'clock. Wickham are currently looking for more stewards uh, to join their matchday staff, uh, which I thought was a really exciting thing to hear because obviously plans are already uh, afoot for fans returning in the 2021-22 season. I spoke to the head steward at Adams Park, Richard Piercy, and asked him, first of all, how he got involved with the club. And uh, I started life as just a gatekeeper, and now I'm head steward, which just shows the sh- show how it, how life can change. Uh, well, I have to um, confess, having having uh, looked for you on the internet as well, you you are one of those faces around Adams Park that I instantly did recognise. I, I, I did think, oh yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen you you around before. Yeah, well, as I say, I've been twenty years. Um, I've been more the last year as well forget the last year <laughs> the time before i was more in the control room i'm still head steward so i get out and about to meet the staff as much as i can going but, all the way back to the, those like the, the 20 years sort of ago were, were you always a wickham wanderers fan i was always a wickham wanderers fan i used to go and see them down the old Oaks park when i was a youngster sort of 16 years old and then i went off and did my own thing playing football on a saturday or a sunday and but always kept an eye on the scores see what how they've done and things like that and get down and see a game whenever i could so i've always had that sort of you know deep down feeling for wickham wanderers uh, being the you know the local side in the town and when my family came along i used to bring my two boys down to watch the matches and uh, 
it was, it's an interesting scenario how I got to be in the position I am because when they got to an age and said they didn't want to carry on coming down, it didn't seem the same without them. So I said to one of the stewards, I probably won't be coming back anymore because, uh, yeah, the boys aren't with me. And they said, come and work with us. <laughs> so here I am 20 years later. And, and the, yeah, you know that that's brilliant. That, as we all know, all of us Wigan Wanderers fan, we know what a friendly and family orientated club it is. And and so to hear that actually, just from somebody saying that to you, you've that you've continued on for twenty years. Yeah, I've uh, I've always got this feeling in life that whatever you get out of it, you should put a bit back. I think with Wigan Wanderers, I've, I've had the enjoyment of watching them play. I've been to an FA Cup final, uh, semi-final, sorry, with uh, my lad. Uh, so I set out with it in mind to give the club something, but I, I never intended to be here 20 years later being head steward and looking after a season that, uh, you know, has been a, such a disaster from Wickham uh, fans' point of view, you know, being in the championship and not not being able to come in and watch the games. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it has been so sad and, and just you, you know that there are so many fans out there that absolutely would love to see championship football and it must be very strange because, again, seeing the games on iFollow and the ones that have been televised, I've noticed that, you know, that very much there is a, a steward presence at the, the games. So what has it been like for you to actually be there but really having no fans apart from those two games to look after it's quite challenging in some respects there is much work going into making sure that we are compliant with covid regulations and these games can go ahead than there is actually having fans in the stadium and basically all my stewarding staff are really there for site security and not so much um, looking after uh, fans it's just making sure that the compliance for the government rules is, is uh, complied with I'm one of the, the lucky few because I have attended a, a, a good few games uh, on behalf of Wickham Sound and I can say that you know it's been incredibly efficiently done you feel very safe from the moment that you drive through the gates at Adams Park and you, you, you're met by the, the people there you know and they to tell you where to go it has been you know a, a credit to you and to your staff because it has been really really well organised well, thank you very much for that, uh, because the other thing my staff are doing at the moment is the vaccination centre down here, and we're getting a lot of good feedback from that and how everyone is uh, met and uh, directed, so... Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite there yet. So I, I, I'm 47. So I'm sort of like on, you know, any day now I'm expecting to be called down. But everybody that I've spoken to that has been down to Adams Park to have the vaccine again has said the same thing. You know, everybody really friendly. It's very efficient. It's so well organised. So, so all of those things again, uh, you know, it's very much got the the hallmark of the Wicked Wanderers stewards on it. Yes, and that's what we we pride ourselves in. You know, anyone can just go and get a job and get the money, but I try and encourage the staff to go the extra mile, make sure everyone is looked after. Have a friendly approach always, even when somebody's not doing the right things, not doing as you're asking them to still remain friendly and polite. That works in a lot of occasions. Again, speaking as a football fan and one that has travelled around the country, I, I've seen good stewarding and I've seen bad stewarding. Um, and the bad stewarding is always when it's delivered in a, in a slightly grumpy way uh, and a slightly dictatorial way. And I've never, ever seen that or felt that at Adams Park. Well, whenever I get called to uh, somebody that's dealing with a member of public, I always approach with a, a smart, try and approach with a smile, 
and always say hello, present who I am to them so they know they're talking to somebody at a higher level. And that normally brings any problems lower down the scale uh, that they're talking to you instead of shouting at you. Yeah, that definitely always helps. So I know that you are now looking for people to join your match day team uh, for the the forthcoming season, which is, for a start is really really good. That actually, you know, that we're we're talking about stewards for the twenty twenty one twenty two season, and fingers crossed that fans will be allowed back in the in the stadium. What are you looking for? Who who are you looking for? What sort of skills? Anyone that is willing to talk to people and face to face, you know, especially with strange strange people you've never met before you've got to be able to go up to them and ask them if, if you can help them if you can assist them in any way if they've got if they're in a wheelchair and just break barriers down if you can't talk to people you, you're no good as a steward because talking is 80 uh, percent of the job being friendly and polite yeah you know, you've got to have that na- nature inside you to do the job yeah, of course. Um, and what are some of the roles then? Uh, you know, we, I know we talk about stewards, but actually I know it's it, it, almost, it, it, there's quite a lot of things that actually go into it. There's a long list of things that go into <laughs> it, which is on the website. But for many seasons now, we've been lacking in our training department through many reasons. This year, Gordon Riley, the stadium manager, is stepping down from that position. But he is now going to set up a training school to provide training for MVQ, for the stewarding, different levels, and go on to first aid courses, Chapter 8, which is traffic management courses, not only just for our stewards, but to supply to supply and train for the local companies as an on- going forward. So there's a lot of things positive happening at the club, and that is one of them, but we need to get all our stewards up to a certain level to be compliant with the EFL rules. And also what's brilliant about what you've just said is then presumably you do have some qualifications which then are, are transferable so that actually you can use those in, in, in other areas of employment. Oh, yeah, quite correct. Because you, you've got your MVQ in spectator management, it can give you event work uh, for you know, Glastonbury when that starts up again and any small events. Because the other side of what we do at Adams Park is um, we do outside event work. We trade under a company called Adams Park Security and Events, which I organise part of. Um, we do all sorts of things from small music festivals. Uh, we've done a small royal wedding over in Windsor because we do a lot of work for the Royal Borough. I mean, that, that, that's quite impressive. Just dropping in a royal wedding, it's, you know, that, that sounds quite good to me. Well, it was only a, a small royal. It, but, it, uh, even so, it was a royal wedding. Yeah, but also we do... Um, we used to do state visits when they used to have them in Windsor and the Queen's walkabout we've done. So, oh, wow. So we've done quite a bit for, for them and we need to get back to the staffing levels that we had in those days to be able to quote for that type of work. Uh, but, you know, really interesting that actually so so you could go along to work at Adams Park and then you, you actually end up, uh, you know, helping out on a royal event. You know, again, that's that that's pretty, pretty exciting, really. Well, for something like Remembrance Day, parades i've got six events on that day for different people so you can see how how spread i am on in november for remembrance day parades then we we, from there we move off into christmas events christmas light switch ons and christmas fairs and things like that so in a normal year it's quite a busy time obviously last year the covid it's been a bit of a disaster but i've still got still had some jobs to do for different clients in 
different places. Um, they're even coming back this year. I've got on my calendar. I've got lots of positive uh, jobs ready to go once uh, we get a go ahead from the government. Excellent. So, I mean, it's very much uh, not necessarily you, you're not just looking um, for people, say, to work on a Saturday afternoon and a you know a Tuesday or maybe Wednesday night. Um, actually, there's, there's quite a lot of work out there if you're a steward. For the right person with the right mindset, there is work out there. I'm quite lucky. I've got some really decent people which I can send out. They'll be responsible for an event because they've had the training and the feedback I'll get from customers is amazing. Fantastic. I would imagine as well that one important thing to say is that, that this is not a job that you can do if you're really wanting to, to watch the, the, the game of football for 90 minutes. No, not at all. I, strangely enough, I got an invite to Queen's uh, Park Rangers the other week uh, for the Wickham game, and that's the first live match I've watched since Aston Villa. When we had the cup, wow, uh, game okay, there. yep, yep. But normally, I'm watching crowds, watching my own staff, make sure that they're doing the right thing, and yeah, see part of the match. Yeah, I have seen part of it in lockdown because I've been the steward on the uh, home tunnel. That's keeping an eye on the referee, keeping an eye on you people in the press area. Yeah, <laughs> making sure that we're 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 all behaving. Yes, I mean presumably you, you you have an idea, and particularly when there's crowds there, as to as to what the score is and how how Wickham are getting on. But actually, yeah, you're you're not really able to to watch and and you know and enjoy the game. Not if you're doing your role properly. It's it's concentrating on what's going on around you to make sure that. Even members in your own team are performing to their requirements. And what is it like being part of the club? Because, as I say, it always comes across as being such a friendly place, you know, with Gareth Ainsworth, with the, the Kuhig family, Pete Kuhig, we always see him around. Um, you know, it, it, is it as friendly as it, it actually appears to, to fans? Well, we try and make it as friendly as possible because that is the best way to run things on a, on a friendly basis. Obviously, there are times when... Uh, we all have a difference of opinion and things like that, but at the end of the day, we shake hands and go home. Fantastic. So if people are interested, there's more details on the website, which of course is wickhamwanderers.co.uk, and I believe if, if people want to email you with their, their short CV, that would be the way that they can apply. That is the best way forward. What I've been doing is pulling them, everyone into a, a file on the computer and I've been answering them as soon as their email comes in and the thing that people got to remember this is a job which will start august time once the new season kicks off but it's giving me a window of opportunity to invite people in chat with them see where they want to go because yeah we've been through a difficult year and football probably won't be the same we don't know yet but there's chance that we might we might be still socially distanced if the numbers start to go up again we've got to go into it with an open mind I'm hoping that everything will be back as normal as it can be, but I'm looking at different plans to fit different scenarios and all sorts because you've got to be ready for anything that's going to hit you. If you want more into details, you can uh, check out the Wickham Wanderers website and uh, you can get Richard's email address there. I definitely think we should have a feature where uh, you're uh, a steward for a day. <laughs> Behind the scenes, stewarding with Bob. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to you about that one. I'll take that as a maybe.
Okay, yeah, yeah, that, that is. But uh, really nice to hear from Richard, and it's always interesting, I think, to, to speak to, to anyone connected with the club and just find out their early experiences uh, of supporting the club. So that was that was really nice. And great to chat to you, Peter Sutterby, today as well. Uh, join us next week on the show. Uh, Keith Ryan will be our guest. It'll be exactly 20 years since the FA Cup semi-final goal at Villa Park against Liverpool. And let's hope that we're reflecting on wins against Blackburn and Rotherham. Have a nice Easter.